this is all to do something to help people live better lives. And without that in mind, it's like, well, what are we doing? Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Katie. And you're listening to Urban Speak, created by the team at Urban Systems. We're speaking with fellow urbanites about the creative and innovative ways our practice areas collaborate to better serve vibrant communities. We all know we have a special language here, so it's time to let the world in on it. All right, should we we get this thing going? Let's do it. Yeah, let's you guys do feeling it. good? You feeling ready? Perfect. Yeah. We are very excited to be here for the second time, and we have so much gratitude for everyone that listened to our first episode and those that reached out eager to hear more. Um, Jen, how are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling pumped. I'm excited to talk about relationships. This is going to be awesome. Yep. It will be awesome. Um, So for our second episode, we wanted to shift the focus to something that's key for all of our consultants, both internal and external, and that's relationship building. Building strong relationships is fundamental to how we operate at Urban Systems, and our guests for this episode know a thing or two about its value and how to integrate it into their practices. Both of these well-established professionals have cultivated strong practices with Indigenous clients and a deep understanding of how building a strong relationship is a key component of working successfully with vibrant communities. With us today are Bree Haley, a community sustainability specialist from our Vancouver office, passionate about the environment, renewable energy systems, community energy planning, and collaborating with rural and Indigenous communities to displace diesel generation dependency to support the transition to a low-carbon society and Laura Cresswell, a civil engineer located in Edmonton with a passion for serving Indigenous and municipal communities. Laura is most fulfilled when working directly with those her work impacts, so her work starts with seeking to understand the challenges communities she services face. And I stole your bios off of LinkedIn, um, if you're wondering where I got that information from. But we're just going to break it down a little, as titles can be kind of confusing. So if you guys were describing your work to an eight-year-old niece or nephew at a barbecue, what would you say? And uh, Laura, if we want to start with you. What what do I do, I guess, if I were to explain that to the crowd that isn't in the world of urban? Um, yeah, so I'm a civil engineer by trade. Um, so that's kind of technically what I do to help communities. But really what I do is uh, listen to what keeps them up at night. Um, and that can be far more than just a civil engineering challenge. Um, listen to what they what they are trying to accomplish in their community and then work with dozens of other practitioners to try and solve that problem. So it can be anything from uh, challenges with homelessness to women's shelters to uh, providing clean, safe drinking water to individual homes, educational challenges, you name it. Uh, civil engineering is kind of the, the technical vehicle that I use to help accomplish those goals, but it's by a by no way the the only thing that I do. Awesome. And Bree? Yeah, so my role at Urban is twofold. Uh, my primary focus is in our community energy practice, as was uh, introduced at the beginning here. And um, yeah, our team works with Indigenous uh, local government, provincial, federal, and utility providers. We try to understand what their clean energy and climate change goals are and uh, figure out how to get there from point A to point B. And it's never that simple. We try to go, typically go from like a planning level 
understanding how communities use energy and what sort of resources are available to them and then kind of figure out what the best options would be and of course what the community's interests are and then try to move into uh, developing uh, clean energy projects and clean energy is a renewable resource so you can think of solar and wind biomass for heating like small hydro run of river projects and the the second part of my role is kind of similar to what Laura mentioned the kind of that community advisor role and really just listening to what the community needs and it's amazing what what can come when you when you do take the the chance to listen and it can be anything from land use planning to custom election codes, housing development, um, recycling and composting programs, you name it, sort of whatever their needs are. And at the time, we tried to find ways to secure funding and to get those needs met through through the work. And typically, I, I like to, to start this off at the beginning of a, of a presentation or whatnot, but I think because I was nervous, I forgot. But I like to give recognition of, of where we are today. I'm part of the Vancouver office, but I'm actually calling in from Victoria, which is the traditional unceded territory of the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Saanich people, and the Likwangan-speaking peoples. And so, yeah, I just wanted to, to give recognition of, of where I'm calling in from today because I think that's super important um, in the work that we do and not even in work but in, in life is to to give recognition and be aware of of the land that we're on today. I think that's a really good really good piece and I appreciate you um, bringing it in into the podcast knowing in Calgary that we're on Treaty 7 territory and the Métis Nation Region 3. I'm calling in from Kamloops, which is the traditional unceded territory of the Tecumloops to Shwetmik peoples. And I have the privilege of calling in today from Edmonton, Alberta, the traditional lands of the Papas Chase Cree peoples located within Treaty 6 territory and the Métis Nation Regional Zone 4. Thank you both for sharing a bit more about your work and what it's involved in it. So something that we were, and as Katie introduced at the beginning of the podcast, is wanting to talk about relationships and how that plays into the work that you do on a daily basis and something that came up for us when we were doing research for this podcast or thinking about relationships and and how they may inform or kind of guide the work that we're doing is this piece um, by Jean Baker Miller which we didn't provide you with these uh, five kind of good things beforehand but we thought that they would maybe inform this conversation and so she talks about these five good things that characterize growth fostering relationships. And I think it's used across many practices. Like it's used in professional contexts, but it's also used in like therapy contexts or uh, maybe social services contexts. So it has a broad reach. And there's five of these characteristics. And so I thought I would just read them out and then tie them into our first question. And maybe they'll pop up throughout our conversation but maybe not. We'll see. (laughs) The first is around relationships or growth fostering relationships are provide a sense of zest or well-being that comes from connecting with another person or a group of people. And the second one is the ability and motivation to take action in a relationship as well as other situations. The third being an increased knowledge of oneself and other persons. The fourth being an increased sense of self-worth and the fifth being a desire for more connections beyond the particular one. 
So we've kind of unloaded those without any warning uh, on you too. But I, I kind of tied the, the second principle or characteristic ties into our first question. What gives you energy about the work that you do? Like Laura, you talked about civil engineering being that, that vehicle for the work that, uh, the meaningful work that you like to do. And, and Brie, you talked about the community energy practice. And so we're just interested about what energizes you about that work. And I guess tying into that five good things, what gives you the motivation to take action through those those relationships so that's a bit of a front-loaded question I'll toss it out to either one of you too thinking about what energizes me um like I love connecting with people and I love building teams and like networking to solve a problem and I've always been like this like it's so funny but ever since I was like a teenager like I would go through the yearbook and I'd be like okay this person and that person like they're gonna be together and like <laughs> these people are gonna hang out and just like I'd be like strategizing this network at like a very young age <laughs> and, now, and now I get to do that at work which is really fun to to build a project team to solve a problem and um more specifically I'm really passionate about the global problem of climate change and diversity, inclusion, well-being, and equity, and being able to focus on those key areas really, really provides a lot of energy in, and motivation in, in the work that we do at Urban and, and in life. Awesome. That's, I think that's a great story, and it's really fantastic that now you get to do that professionally. Um, <laughs> and what about you, Laura? Yeah, no, I think to add to, to Bree's comments, I think what energizes me is a component of all those five elements that you talked about, Jen. Like, I love getting to know people and, like, understanding who they are, what motivates them, what what they want to see it for themselves and for their communities and, and actually see that actioned. And so there's... I just... It gets me so excited in jazz to think that there's an issue where a family doesn't have a home on reserve and we're trying to solve that problem and it's not always glamorous work it's you know a lot of paper pushing a lot of thinking outside the box a lot of doing you know what I wasn't trained in school to do but really thinking about the community what they're trying to accomplish and ultimately how we're trying to make people's lives better that feeds into the day-to-day work that I do and there's uh the moment when you can hug the person that's moving into the house that you helped uh helped get for that community and, and them saying that they're no longer homeless who I'm breaking up right now is just it's it's so powerful and it's amazing that urban systems the work that we do and the individual skill sets that each one of the 500 plus of us bring to the table allows us to to bring this team forward to any community to any situation to any problem and really try to find those solutions so at the end of the day a mom can hug you and say, my kids have a roof over the top of their heads. So yeah, that keeps, that gives me energy. <laughs> yeah, like big time. That's, you can, I, I can hear it in your voice, like from both of you that you can, that the passion is there and that the, the desire and fire to keep, I did not mean for that to rhyme, but the desire <laughs> and fire um, <laughs> to keep things, to, to do good work is just innate in who both of you are. So that's really, that's really cool. I guess a kind of a follow-up question and it builds on those five principles that I talked about, but further to the interests that both of you have spoken to is helping us and, and folks at Urban understand 
what the characteristics of a good relationship are and how have these showed up in in your day-to-day work at Urban? Yeah, I think a lot of times like when you're in a very technical field like engineering and planning, you get so focused on like the task at hand and doing the work. And I think that relationship building is kind of everything outside of that bolstered by what you're actually like trying to accomplish through your skill set as an engineer, as a planner, as a surveyor, et cetera. And yeah, so I think that what makes a good relationship is really understanding who each other are on a fundamental level, having an understanding of mutual trust like really, I think going through some tough times together helps build strong relationships, both like internally within urban as well as externally with clients. And just a curiosity to get to know each other, which inevitably does feed into the work that we do and what we're trying to help accomplish. But it also is, you know, who are your families? Like what what gets you up in the morning? Like, you know, asking a client that and trying to figure out what motivates them. I think really builds just a strong foundation for understanding each other and like how you can accomplish what you're both setting out to achieve. It disheartens me sometimes when you hear of other consulting consultants just like being so focused on we got to design a road, we got to build a water line, we got to do this and that without understanding that the whole intent of it is to like remove boil water advisories or get kids to schools or fundamentally solve a problem that engineering allows you to solve but it it opens up the door to so many other things like access to education through broadband networks or being able to have a bath and not be the stinky kid in class and like just there's so many other things that trickle out of it that if you can build that relationship with communities to understand the meaning of why you're doing something I think that that is just so strong and powerful and leads to long-term lasting relationships what I got out of that as, as some key characteristics are trust, which is something that Jen and I spoke about beforehand, how trust plays into pretty much everything, as well as curiosity, shared experiences, personal motivations, and the getting to understand the why, like truly understanding why you're here, why you're doing this, why they need your help. Brie, how do you feel about those? Is there ones that you feel strongly about, ones that you want to add, ones that show up separately for you? Yeah, I think that was a really great summary, Laura, what you presented there. And I definitely have some similar keywords of mutual respect and trust. A big thing is trying to be as empathetic as possible when when going into these relationships. And it, it can often be hard because a lot of the times we have no idea what a lot of individuals have gone through and you know we're trying to solve that problem Um, and it can be it can be a slippery slope to just being more confined to the boundary of the problem opposed to like okay let's broaden take off our blinders and kind of look outside of that and so yeah and another characteristic that I that is important is just being transparent and as open as possible and I think that really opens the door to, to building trust I also like to think about how would I want to be treated? You know, if someone's not feeling well, like it's nice to always get a phone call because that's what I would want, like, and just sort of humanize the relationship and make it less transactional. And yeah, just like mutual respect and, and treating others how, how you'd like to be treated, I think is, is super key. And, and through that, uh, like integrating these characteristics into our daily interactions and work allows us to deepen our connections uh, with our clients both internally and externally, and and ultimately creating a sense of pride in serving our clients. If I can just add to that as well, 
understanding a person's reality and knowing that like it is it is going to every every individual on the planet has a different reality than I do and actually understanding that I think goes a long way because I know that um, when you work with small communities uh, indigenous municipal uh, etc capacity is definitely a challenge and I think that at times it can be frustrating if you don't understand the reality that's that exists in their day-to-day, wondering why your project isn't more important or why you're not trying to get information for a certain thing. And then you realize that the public works director is also the fire chief, who's also the first responder when it comes to, you know, an accident on the scene, who's also dealing with children that are needing to be taken away from a home because of a healthy situation, and this and that. Oh, and they're also parents and everything else. That's something that I've really learned through this space of really seeking to understand everyone's realities has gone a long way to also be able to help support in different spaces to to move initiatives forward so that the to that so that the communities that we do service can actually see progress because it can be overwhelming and like just even understanding the realities that exist within our clients it's like how do you get up in the morning they are my heroes they really are and you don't you don't get a sense of appreciation for that unless you really are curious and take the time to get to know someone Brie, you even brought up a little bit internal relationships and how those kind of play into to helping communities. And you guys have both built up strong practices in your respective regions and, and areas of expertise. But can you speak a little bit more about the internal relationship building at Urban and how that's supported your work externally with, with clients? Yeah, definitely. No work would get done without our internal relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, our clients don't actually, I, I don't think, realize like how many people at one time can be serving them. There could be a huge project and say there could be, I don't know, up to like 30 or 40 people working on this project at once, yet the client is only really act- interacting with like two or three sort of like frontline consultants. Or if there's uh, a client when there's a lot of different projects going on, 10 to 15 active projects at once, like there could be like 40 to 60 people serving this client. And so just to sort of bring it back to the beginning, like our internal relationships are just so key and we wouldn't get anything done uh, without them and without fostering those relationships and just a lot of love for our internal relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if I can just echo what Bree said, literally nothing gets done unless the the team... (laughs) is there to help get it done. Bri and I are both, you know, fairly young practitioners in our areas of expertise. And yet we're, we're really, you know, helping at the forefront with leading clients and, and growing those relationships. And at any one given time, you could be talking about asset management and then water lines and then roads and women's shelters and housing and land development and business planning. And there's no way that either one of us has like any of that expertise, let alone <laughs> one of those expertise. <laughs> And so it's just like when, a, you know, when, when you have these conversations with communities, you need to have a really strong network of just kind of like, oh, my gosh, how do we do this? I feel like a broken record because a lot of the times I'm like, I'll get back to you on that because, you know, you just kind of like, OK, let's figure out the team after having that conversation with the community. And I think that a huge success, a huge part of urban system success is that we do take the time to, like, think about the problem bring a diverse set of skill sets to the table that we all kind of have our own practices bringing those together and really figuring out this water line is going to lead to other 
challenges or other great things and like what does that look like and you know the trickle down effects of it and I think that if we were so focused on one service offering or like small teams or like not having the opportunity and the platform to be a networked organization I don't think that we'd be able to serve communities in the same way it's vital to just who we are as as a, a company and what we can bring to communities. Really, the internal relationships mirror the external. If you have a strong external relationship, you're only going to get so far if your internal relationships are suffering. And so that's really where the work needs to happen in parallel. I'm wondering if there's a particular moment or a particular internal relationship that is, in general, has led to where you're at now in your practice or where you're interested in going. And I guess I'll, I'll provide a bit of an example to give just a bit of context. So I'm thinking about how recently I was pulled into um, supporting a housing project. And it was the first housing needs assessment I've been able to work on. And it completely opened up this area of practice for me that I was interested in, but didn't really have the know what that looked like. And so now I'm I'm really interested in, in pursuing that a bit more and understanding um, housing in a broader perspective with other teams. What sort of internal relationships or particular examples there might be of, of what's led you to where you are now in the practices that you are, are leading? That's a good question. I think it's really hard to just narrow it down to one influencer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's a bit of a, a bit of a hard question. Wow. I think I'll have a twofold answer. If that's all right. Yeah, um, that's allowed. <laughs> okay, one actually starts before I joined Urban and our, our practice lead at, in our community energy practice. I actually interviewed him when I was doing my thesis about community energy planning. And through that relationship, opened the door for me to work and join our community energy practice. And so that's been hugely influential in in growing that area. And then the second part to my answer is uh, another colleague who's more um, frontline consulting, more in the community advisor role. They have that like that hunger and that drive and I'm always hungry. I'm like, I want to like build stuff and like get stuff done. And so having that motivator and person checking in and like being like, hey, this grant is out. We need to figure out which communities we should be supporting and kind of having that person constantly push me has been really influential in in broadening my scope of services to that sort of community advisor role and opening the door to that sort of whatever community needs, like we'll figure out how to, to support them. And it's, it's an interesting response that's going through my head for sure, because I've been predominantly my practice area is uh, serving Indigenous communities. I do help here and there on some municipal projects, but my focus is Indigenous communities. And I started in this role, I want to say about four years ago, and it was with a, a co-worker in the Edmonton office who uh, was kind of a solo practitioner in the Indigenous space. And we had just launched like five projects all at once with one in one indigenous community and I was keen and we just kind of ran with it. And since then, we've done over 35 projects with that community alone. And the Edmonton office has grown quite a bit in, in the practice area that services indigenous communities. And it was really that one individual that that gave me a shot at learning from him and from that particular community that's led to so much success in this space and I think with that relationship fundamentally helped me become the practitioner I am today and and so grateful for that. But it also showed me that having such a strong relationship with just one person 
can lead you to shy away from building relationships with others because you're just so comfortable. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's showing me that our, our networks need to be broad and, and not just focused on any one particular client or one particular type of work or one particular practitioner that's your, your mentor. You really need to learn to grow your internal network to have a, a bunch of people that are kind of supporting you and you supporting them. And I guess we're wanting to ask you about we, we pride ourselves at Urban at supporting communities build and, and be vibrant. And so, but how do, how do communities in that work also help us as consultants and not just as consultants, but also just as people living our daily lives in the places that we live and work and, and play. And yeah, so curious to hear from both of you about how the work has impacted both of you. As, as individuals and as, as professionals? This question was thought provoking and I actually had to reflect on it a little bit. My patience has definitely grown, learned to set boundaries, to consider and work through opposing perceptions and values, which I'm like a very strong advocate. That's like a, an archetype of mine. And so it can be challenging to work through opposing values and whatnot. And so it's definitely been an area for growth for me. Another big one is how to have difficult conversations and uncomfortable conversations. Even with the bit of practice I've, I've gained, they're still uncomfortable and difficult. Like, I don't know if they'll ever get easy. Consulting can be very stressful sometimes, like not going to sugarcoat it. And so in order to to manage this stress, I've had to sort of broaden my like wellness toolkit. Um, and part of this is sort of deepening my practice in meditation, which has created a lot more awareness and mindfulness, uh, not only in, in my practice as a consultant and at work, but also in life. That's a really strong list of things. Like I, I wrote down uh, patience and being able to set boundaries, walking through opposing values. And uh, that's like a really core value of yours. And also there's difficult conversations. And I was, I was just speaking to someone about this and they often said, they said to me, often the difficult conversations are the ones you most need to have or the most important to have, which is such a struggle sometimes because sometimes they're the conversations you least want to have but that's a really good I appreciate you bringing up that point as well as your wellness like that's yeah something that I'm sure many of us could um to take a could take a hot tip from <laughs> especially <laughs> at this time of, of, of year <laughs> in the current world we live in wellness for sure and I think also that that point of of setting boundaries I was just, I, ironically, we were talking about this yesterday in one of our team meetings, the eagerness to help everyone at all times of never wanting to say no because you understand the impact of your work and you understand the impact of your relationships. It's so hard to say no, especially about things that you're passionate about, especially about things that you're excited about, things that you know are important because you don't want to say no, but also reminding yourself that you need to make sure that your own bucket is full before you can fill other people's of making sure that you're operating at your best at your clearest, at your most fulfilled, so that you can do your best work, you can help as best you're able. Oh, yeah. Like, boundaries, I suck at them. Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> and I really appreciate Bree's uh, answer to that question, because uh, it was very, I guess, specific, tangible outcomes. And yeah, I definitely need to chat with you more about the boundaries, because my career is really my life. It's not two separate things. I am I am the same person in my job as I am outside of it. Everyone knows what I'm feeling and all the feels 
all the time. I, I don't really apologize for it because I feel like I have grown into a much more appreciative person through the work that I've done. I just, I get a sense, I understand stand more of like the privileged background that I grew up in and where I am today, being from hard work, but also circumstance. And that gives me the opportunity to like, I think really want to help, I guess, move things forward. But like, honestly, I've gotten so much from communities, so much more than I think I've given them a sense of home. I really feel at home in the communities that I service. They really, really feel like family. They, they really do. This, this pandemic's been challenging because like I haven't seen a lot of them in person. And when in the spring, summertime, when, when uh, the situation with COVID was, was a tad bit more relaxed, I remember seeing one of, one of our community members for the first time and everyone was like, don't, don't hug. Remember, Laura, don't hug. Like we got to social distance. And like he just gave me this look and I was like, oh my God, I got to do it. So I just like ran as fast <laughs> as I could across the field and gave him a hug. And it just felt so good because it really did feel like I was coming home. I think on top of that, we have some new coworkers that joined the Edmonton office, uh, an engineer in training, and he was a part of a kickoff meeting kind of two weeks in, and he was introducing himself, and he thanked the client for the opportunity to be on the project. And the client kind of responded like, you're welcome, question mark, as if it was this kind of weird statement. And I was kind of like, no, like, seriously, uh, we don't get a chance to become engineers without projects, without the opportunities to grow, grow and expand our skill sets in service. And I think at times that connection can kind of be missed. Like, really, I can't say that I'm an engineer today without the tens of hundreds of, well, probably not, maybe a maybe hundred projects now, projects that I've had the opportunity to be a part of. And that is because communities have put their trust in urban systems and have provided me the opportunity to, to become who I am today. And so it, it's everything. I identify as an engineer and I identify as a support for a bunch of communities that I service. And it, it's this question is like fundamental, I think, to, to who I am and what I've become is a consultant, but beyond just a transactional consultant, like a, a member of the communities that we work with. Whew, that's a hard one to follow <laughs> up. Um, yeah, all the feels. All the I know. Feels. All the feels. <laughs> it's coming through. Um, yeah, thanks for for both of you for sharing those self reflections. Something that came up for me when Katie was speaking too is with your the team meeting, and it's, it's sort of related to the wellness tip as well. I was recently buying a book, and I kind of alluded to the person um, that I was checking it out at, that like, oh, this is kind of a treat for myself, and they just looked at she just looked at me straight in the eyes, and she was like, <laughs> "Girl, you can't pour from the empty cup," and I was like, "Yes." Yeah. That is it. So, um, yeah, I'll just throw that into the into the mix as well. Definitely. And I think, too, just kind of building off of, of everything that we've, we've spoken about so far in this conversation, we're able to kind of round out what qualities make a good relationship, what qualities you need intrinsically to be able to fulfill those those strong relationships. And we keep going back to things like trust and shared experiences and respect, empathy, vulnerability, and self-awareness. And I think those are such strong qualities to be able to build these strong relationships and kind of shape projects and shape future relations and past relations beyond those things that we've already mentioned, or maybe in addition to those things that we've mentioned. What do you, what do you feel is your number one tip for 
relationship building. If there's one thing that you're like, I could not build relationships if I didn't do this one thing, which is a very hard question because I know that there's lots of things, but <laughs> I guess like the the heart of building relationships. Brie, if you want to start. Sure. Yeah, this is a tricky question. And when I was thinking through this, I had a list of 10 tips, but obviously I've narrowed <laughs> it down to one. The number one tip is, in, from my perspective, active and empathetic listening. And so someone wise once shared a perspective on active listening. This is hard. Like it's a, it's a, an ongoing trait to learn. Like it's, it's a, it's a school, a, a skill that needs to be practiced um, over years. And I'm by no means an expert in this. Um, but something that I like to think about is something that someone once shared with me in that if you're listening and I'm, I'm making air quotes for people that are listen, that are listening in <laughs> and you're thinking constantly thinking about the next thing that you're going to say to the, you're actually not listening and the perspective that was provided was that if you're thinking about what you're going to say you're not actually valuing what you're listening to and so I try to constantly sort of think about that and even if the, th- the thought that has come into your head about what you wanted to add to the conversation is gone by the time you have a chance to speak, it obviously wasn't that important if you've forgotten it at that point. And so just being able to, to actively and empathetically listen uh, can go a long way in, in building relationships. And clients often share how appreciative they are that you, Brie, like you do, you listen to what we're saying and then like, It'll come up like months later in a project and, you know, even I forgot it, but it is really important and just how appreciative they are when, when you can actually listen and, and try to integrate what you've heard into, into practice. Um, and I think it can go a long way. Another thing on the topic of listening, um, often our clients will test us if we are actually listening because you can be on a phone call for like, I don't know, it could be like going on like an hour or something and you know you're you might have things to do and they know they're kind of dragging it out but they'll and they'll throw in like random tidbits or facts that are like completely left field and they're waiting for you to catch it instead of just being like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah 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 I get it they're they're waiting for you to be like 10 million dollars like that doesn't make sense and that's happened a few (laughs) times when I've like caught it and they're like oh you are listening great just wanted to make sure I still had you engaged in the conversation so you're it's always a test so practicing our our listening skills is super key to not only building but retaining our relationships with the communities that we serve I was also just gonna say like just also the frankness like the willingness to be like hey just double check in here like an ability to have that yeah that candidness with one another I think is I can hear that in both of your both of your examples and I was just looking through some notes that I had from our from our conversation previous to this recording and Laura one of the things that you had brought up is making the clients feel seen knowing having the clients presenting themselves to you in a way that's almost posing the question like do you see us do you actually see who we are what our problems are do you think that that is is tied into this as well? Oh yeah, for sure. I had a very interesting experience recently. We're helping a- another community try and rebuild a road, and it has taken three years 
and like half a dozen funding applications and turning over multiple rocks and then investing 50 grand plus in in trying to move this project forward and they finally got money like 3.2 million dollars to like rebuild a portion of one of their roads they have like over 150 kilometers of road and like we're doing 5k and it's taken three years to get to that point and they haven't done really anything to the road since the 80s and i'm thinking to myself this is this is huge this is like this is amazing for this community. I could not imagine then handing this over to a consultant that, that you don't know to do the work and they don't do it the way you want because they don't understand you. Because this opportunity is never going to come up again. The 1980s. And it's taken three years to get one road. And so listening to this other client and just their perspective, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I would really hate not being heard and seen and understood too. But that takes time and that takes that takes 100% a willingness to be actively listening. And I think that's a really hard thing to do, especially when you potentially don't have full confidence in yourself as a practitioner. You feel like you need to come up with solutions and you, you, you feel like you, you kind of you, you need to show that you have answers, but you haven't really fully heard them to know if what you're answering is in fact what they're asking for. And so that kind of leads me to my quote-unquote number one tip, which is just a really weird way of saying it, but I think it's important to come in to a conversation with the confidence that you will find a solution, but that you don't need to come into it already determining that solution. And that, that's been a lesson that I've learned because I really don't like working in the space of unknown. <laughs> and I really struggle with not knowing everything. And so that's, that's been a huge growing space for me over the last few years, but through testing it out and just, you know, taking that backseat and listening and, and being okay with saying, I'll, I'll get back to you or we can get back to you on that one and seeing how that plays out in the long term has been paying off, but it's not, it's not easy. You know, it's not easy, especially in, in a space where engineers are seen as that, you know, you should know everything. Right. And it's like, but like, I don't really know you yet. So, like, how can I know what you need? That's a huge one, Laura. And that's something that I've definitely struggled with. When I first started Urban about four and a half years ago, I had just finished my Master's of Engineering and Clean Energy. And I was like, I had this perception of myself that I needed to be an expert. And people were seeing me as an expert. And, yeah, just, like, really learning to to try to let that go and, like, letting go of the ego and being okay with not knowing and and like you said Laura like the confidence to to say like let me get back to you or or I don't know like we'll figure it out but I I can't tell you right now and that's been a huge a huge shift as well for me and sort of moving moving forward and in practice and, and having confidence to to lead and go through these projects and then like once you figure it out and the project is a go I find at times I forget that like it's a constant active listening process. It's not like, okay, you've built the scope, you've written the work program, everyone's on the same page, now we just go and execute. It's like bringing back what you heard at the beginning constantly to make sure that it's incorporated into the final solution. I guess our, our final or one of our final questions is if there's just anything we haven't touched on today that you, you want to bring up, like if there's uh, in the reflection you've done or even in the conversation that we've had today, are there elements where you would have yeah you want to expand more or share anything more or 
you would have hopped in, but Katie or I jumped in. Um, <laughs> We're bossy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just want to leave that space for, for either one of you to speak to that. Well, I, it's funny. I was trying to be, I was trying to be so active in my listening that <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fully think about other things I wanted to say. <laughs> because you're living you're living the principles we're talking about there you go (laughs) or maybe just nervous about being recorded (laughs) we'll we'll call it living out the principles yeah (laughs) there was um another like a sub part question that I thought was interesting that we didn't touch on and that was an aha moment is everyone familiar with the the Manslow hierarchy of needs so I guess so for our listeners who aren't, if you like picture a triangle and there's like three stages, um, the base of the triangle would be basic needs, the middle stage would be psychological needs, and then the top triangle is um, self-fulfillment. And so it's a, a theory that was created in the 20th century. It's basically like how humans are motivated. So basic needs would be like food and shelter, psychological could be like feeling safe um, and loved. And those needs need to be met before human motivation can shift to uh, global problems like climate change or transitioning to a clean energy economy and, um, or supporting equity uh, in projects and whatnot. And until recently, I always understood this theory, yet in practice, I often felt conflicted. And, you know, my little advocate self was like, why, why don't people care? Like, <laughs> this is a big problem. We need to, we need to fix, fix the world. And, and it wasn't until like a life-changing event in my personal life that I actually understood this in practice. And, um, Yeah, and so I think this kind of goes back to, like, the need to try to be empathetic in situations and to try to really put ourselves in people's shoes and try to try to live that out in what we do and it allows us to to serve our clients to meet those basic and and psychological needs through the projects that we deliver and once those are met we can also move into those like global issues like climate change and supporting communities and their goals of clean energy and climate change so that was like a sort of a big aha moment that has really been sort of forefront in my life over the last uh, few months and I just wanted to share that. No, really well said, Brie. That's um, I gotta self reflect on that more too. But no, that's a really great way of putting it. I think just to add to like your aha and like the basic needs component, I guess is just like and the humility. There's moments where you kind of forget that the work that you're doing is actually to service people. You know, it's just like all on computers and drawing sets and specifications and construction equipments moving and stuff. But then, like back to that um, example of the the housing situation is like aha this is all to do something to help people live better lives and without that in mind it's like well what are we doing then because there's definitely moments i'm sure we all feel where we're in projects and we're like what is the purpose of this like why are we doing this again you know like is this actually going to do anything and i think those aha moments of like how is this benefiting people you know and like obviously the environment and and everything else that, that comes with the environment that people live in but that was kind of an aha moment and it kind of brought to life the work that we do that I think at times we are so disconnected from I think I just had an aha moment right now like that was <laughs> <laughs> that was a really impactful example uh, of just like of both of you speaking to that we 
look at drawing sets and we are on the computer and we do zoom calls and but in the end it really is just to improve quality of life and to help our clients like live the best lives they can in your opinion what is a game-changing trait of a good consultant if i were to sum it up i would say having a never fulfilled appetite to be curious because i think that like you can be a consultant without you know being comfortable or being in front of clients you know, and have a, a very specific skill set, you know, would it be like water treatment or roads or, or clean energy planning or you name it. But all those spaces, I think, rely on being like your success relies on how, how curious you are to understand more. Never really feeling like you've known enough or you've understood enough or, you're, you know, there's always something else that you're interested in learning, I think, is, is a trait that's going to serve you well in consulting no matter if you're in front of the communities having conversations with chiefs and councils or if you're, you know, the second day on the job, not even knowing what a pipe invert is, right? You're, you're curious about understanding. <laughs> Katie's like, I don't know. What I don't know what a pipe invert is. <laughs> I work in communications. <laughs> it's a very bad example. But um, yeah, I think that, 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 that unsatiated curiosity uh, will take, take you far in whatever path you choose as a consultant. Yeah, I love that, Laura. And I, I echo that to be inquisitive and to stand up and for what you believe is right, um, I think are, are super important. And to be able to communicate that effectively is, is equally important. It, this is really hard to wrap it up into one trait. I think you can be like, there's always the need to be to be hungry and to have that drive and to drum up a lot of work. Um, and I I think in order to be continuously successful as a consultant, um, yeah, having that innate inquisitiveness and curiosity, as well as the empathetic listening skills that has come up a lot in in this conversation, as well as the willingness to grow and to to have your perceptions challenged and to 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 be okay with people kind of challenging your perceptions and to to want to explore and kind of remove those blinders and so that you can ultimately grow and serve our clients to the best of our our ability. Well, I think that we've covered the questions that we were hoping to. And I think Katie and I just want to express a huge thank you to both of you for for being here and for taking this time to to not only be in the podcast and share your thoughts, but taking the time beforehand to to reflect and think through the different elements that we were, were we wanted to talk to today and that was relationship building and so I think we've as the, the four of us have been able to move through some yeah some really cool points and good stories and also have a pretty strong list of good relationship building attributes and characteristics and things that we value um, as practitioners but also just as human beings walking around in the world every day uh, living our lives. Yeah, yeah, thank you both so much for, for inviting us. It's such an honor. And yeah, I definitely feel humbled, humbled and by no means an expert in, in relationships, but it's been great to, to talk about what's worked uh, for us thus far. These things are always so awkward to end because it's like, okay, see ya. Like, thanks for joining, but... <laughs> Just went on such a good journey together. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Urban Speak, created by the team at Urban Systems. If you have thoughts on the topic we discussed this episode, or if you have suggestions for future episodes, please connect with either Katie or Jen. Our doors are always open.